What an exciting show today, would you say? Mm. I mean, it had everything. It had hope. It had fire. It had righteousness. It had a little naughtiness to it. Dare, dare I say, we spoke of evil a on the bit. program. A little, a little bit. Seems like a little, yeah, a little bit. You got to do that now and then these yeah. days because it's, I don't know, everywhere. Yeah, yeah. Hey, and the breaking news that happened on the podcast, Sidney Powell is uh, turning state's evidence uh, just for a... I mean, she didn't get all, uh, get away. I mean, she's probably one of the most central figures in the entire election case. Uh, and I mean, they didn't let her get off with nothing. She asked to she she pl- pled guilty, turning state's evidence, and they're gonna put her in the well, not slammer. Yeah, she, uh, she's got to report to a parole officer for the next six years. Um. So this is going to get interesting. What is she? What did she do to get that kind of a sweetheart deal? All that and more on today's podcast. You know, when you try to explain somebody what it's like to live in pain uh, to somebody who doesn't live in pain, their eyes glaze over. and They're like, yeah, yeah, get over it, man. Just get over it. Yeah, I, I've tried that approach. Tried. Yeah. The, uh, uh, the uh, art of positive thinking. Tried that too. Man, I'm feeling good today. No, I'm not. So, you know, you might have tried absolutely everything, but may I ask, have you tried Relief Factor yet? Just try it. 1995, they're not asking you for a commitment. 1995, you'll get a, a three-week quick start. Now, uh, 70% of the people that order that go on to order more month after month. Now, why would you do that unless you're a moron? Or you find them strangely yummy. I don't know. Um, relief Factor. Get out of pain. I got my life back. 800 4 relief. 800 the number 4 relief or relieffactor.com. Relieffactor.com. Feel the difference. You're listening to The Best of the Glenn Beck program. These are the exact times I have been warning America about for almost, uh, what, 15 years, 20 years now. Uh, It is why I spent so much time uh, on Israel and the Jewish state and uh, and Martin Luther King uh, for so many years, because this is part of what always happens in a uh, in a world that goes mad with socialism and Marxism. Um, It always, always comes with massive anti-Semitism. And we're seeing it now in our universities. We're seeing it uh, everywhere. And it's apparently not that disturbing for a lot of people. Uh, I think everyone should be talking about this at lunch and dinner, at the water cooler. You know, wherever you're hanging out and talking about things, there is nothing, I think, more important than this. Because once... Anti-Semitism is this, uh, it's this gateway to hell. It is a gateway to hell. And I just ask if you are not Jewish, I'm not Jewish. Uh, I just want you to imagine what it must feel like having your children at a university today. Or you at a university. Or just being Jewish We've seen this movie before. It's not like, oh, well, they don't really mean it. Oh, yeah, no, no, they do. And when they're chanting this at the University of Pennsylvania, there's only one solution. 
that's that's not even veiled. They're talking about the final solution. Which was so horrific, they never said the extermination of all the Jews. They gave it a code name, the final solution. They didn't even want people to know about it, but apparently everybody on the left here in America and around the world are all for just letting it rip. That should terrify non-Jews, let alone anyone of Jewish descent. Julia Wax is um, a law student at Georgetown University. God love her. She's also a Georgetown Law Zionist Coast uh, president. And Brooke Goldstein joins us. She is the Lawfare Project founder and executive director and author of End Jewish Hatred. Julia, Brooke, welcome to the program. Hi, thank you for having us. You bet. Julia, let me start with you. What, what are you experiencing and others experiencing on campus? Um, I'd like to say that this is not just happening at Georgetown. It's happening on campuses. Everywhere. Across, yeah, across the United States. And the world. And, yeah, the world. And what we're experiencing is our student groups and students individually who are posting on social media things that basically are anti-Semitic rhetoric, things that are denying the events that happened this past week in Israel, denying the beheading of 40 babies, saying that the Nova incident and the music festival didn't occur, trying to say that AI is how all of this is being generated, posting, you know, from the river to the sea, Palestine should be free. Um, They are promoting events and rallies, one of which I went to, to try and understand. I went undercover and they started chanting, we don't want no Jew state. Um, And they started chanting, um, Zionism will fall and um, globalize the intifada. And I don't even, I don't even think these people understand that the language that they're shouting is, anti-Semitic. It's so deeply embedded at this point um, that it's time for us to take a stand and speak out. I, uh, my staff prayed for uh, you, Julia, and people like you today that are, that are on campuses all over the world, um, that you have strength and oh, I, I don't even know what else it would take, but that the Lord would be with you. Um, Brooke, what is your involvement in this? I know you've written a book on ending Jew hatred, um, but the Lawfare Project, what is that? First of all, Glenn, I want to thank you so much for your moral clarity because this is a time when we need leadership and we need people like you speaking the truth. It is absolutely very scary. And what we're doing at the Lawfare Project is we provide pro bono legal support to Jewish students on campus who are facing a hostile environment that targets them because they are Jewish. And I want to make absolutely clear, and you said it in your intro, this is not about a Palestinian state. This has nothing to do with politics. This has everything to do with Islamist Nazi-like Jew hatred. And the people that Julia was talking about before, they are akin to Holocaust deniers. They are the new Hamas Holocaust deniers. And it's always those who deny the truth 
and denying the truth of this recent genocide, because that's what it was, a genocide that want to commit the same acts of atrocities again. And that's exactly what Julia is saying they are chanting on campus. And Jewish students around the country are feeling unsafe. So it is incumbent on the administration, the Biden administration, who has been giving wonderful speeches standing with Israel, to stand with the Jewish population within the United States. That is absolutely paramount. And to do everything they can to root out these terror-supporting, terror-affiliated groups like SJP, Students for Justice in Palestine, and groups like Wall Palestine, they must get off our campuses. Because you said it yourself, Glenn, this is a national security threat for the United States. So, guys, I, I mean... This is so deep and because uh, I know because I've been watching it. I've been watching it and looking for it uh, since 2005, 2003 and watching it grow. And it's it is in everything now. It is Black Lives Matter. When people stood up, I, I kept saying, you can't stand with these people. You might think that there's a problem uh, with the police. You might think there's a problem. Well, good. Let's talk about that and solve it. But these people are trying to destroy Israel. They're trying to destroy the traditional family. I mean, how are you going to stop this in our universities? It came from the universities. Well, I think it's really important for your audience to understand the influence of foreign funding. People in the counterterrorism community have been warning about the billions and billions of dollars coming from states like Qatar, which yes. is the second largest state sponsor of terrorism in the world, that are funding our institutions. Go ahead. Pardon, Julia? Um, I believe Georgetown has a campus in Qatar as well. Who does? Yes. Tell us about that, Julia. Um, I don't know uh, too much, but Georgetown does have a campus in Qatar. <sighs> the, how, how is it that our administrators are taking hundreds of millions of dollars per campus? They're not registering as foreign agents. They're not disclosing the memos of understanding. What are the terms of these agreements? I guarantee you this money we know is going to diversity, equity, inclusion. Oh, yeah. It's going to critical it race theory. It's going to fund students groups. And it's going to radicalize Americans to turn not just against Israel, but against America. Julia, what does it, I don't know if you can even answer this. What does it feel like to be a Jew today? Uh, <laughs> um, it requires a lot of perseverance. Um, I'm definitely one of the loudest voices on my campus when it comes to this subject. And I'm trying to stay strong for a group of people because I do have students that are unable to focus and are forced to sit in a classroom with students who promote these rallies. <sighs> I have students texting me that they are scared to come to class. Students who are removing their Star of David necklaces. Mm. Students who have removed their Israeli flags from their lockers. Um, it's a hostile environment. You walk down the street and you don't know who's for you and who's against you. And I think it's important to note that this used to be a very fringe group of people on the university campuses. This used to be a very fringe, far-left group. And now it's the majority. And now 
quite honestly, on campuses across the United States, it feels like the majority is against us. And yesterday we hosted a survivor from the Nova Music Festival on our campus. In 24 hours, I was able to get her to come and speak. And before, I think I questioned how could the Holocaust even have occurred? How could something so horrific to my people even have occurred? And after last night and listening to this woman speak, this woman who is similar in age to me, who looks like me, who's from a similar background to me, and hearing her give her story about running away from the terrorists, having friends who died as she sprinted forward, now I know. And that's, it, it, it's a staunch and haunting realization as a Jewish person to have, to be sitting in that room with 40 other Jewish students, listening to this woman who looks like us, who is one of us, speak about being persecuted. And anybody who denies that Hamas is not a terrorist organization is part of the problem and is someone who is spewing anti-Semitic rhetoric and making this a much more globalized issue. And Julia, weren't you saying also that the survivor was then further taunted um, when she's come and, and tell her story on she, campus? She, she did speak on the fact that even in America, she does not feel safe as a Jewish woman, that she had friends who um, asked to have their locks changed, that, you know, she still does not feel safe even being here in America due to what she's seeing occur, specifically on campuses. You know, campuses are the think tanks of America. This is where all of our legal ideas, this is where our new educational ideas stem from. And it astounds me that we're looking at the most prestigious universities in the world, Harvard, Georgetown, Columbia, Stanford, Yale, all of these massive organizations, and they have people at their organizations, and it's not just one, two, or three, it's hundreds of students that are shouting this rhetoric and making it unsafe for us. Will you um, uh, please keep my phone number with you if there is anything I can ever do or my organizations can do for you? Um, please reach out. I want you to know a long time ago, I, uh, before I brought my family to Israel, I brought them to Auschwitz and I, I told them that you can't understand Israel unless you understand Auschwitz. And I asked each of them to read a book of one of the righteous among the nations, <clears throat> because I wanted my family to decide who we would be long before uh, any of this stuff would uh, happen again. I want you to know I am not alone and you are not alone. There are millions of us that stand with you. We know the past. We know what the future can be if we remain silent again. And uh, you will always, always have a place at my table. Thank, Thank you. you. Thank God. you. I really appreciate it. God bless you, Julia. Glenn, I want to say one thing. It's just so important before we end. You, you said there are millions out there. We need you to be vocal now. What can you do to help the Jewish community? You can call up the administration at Georgetown right now today. Flood them. Flood their email inbox. 
Make sure that you're calling them every single minute, demanding they create a campus that is safe for the Jewish students, demanding they kick off the student groups off campus that are taunting Jewish students and making it unsafe to exist there. That's how we could use your help. We will do it. Thank you so much. God bless. Thank you. I really. It is not only uh, Georgetown, but it's a good place to start. You're listening to the best of the Glenn Beck program. All right, I want to talk to you about backbone, spine, courage, decency, honor, integrity, all of the things that we don't have in Washington. I want to listen I want you to listen to this story from the Washington Post. Representative Jim Jordan failed to earn enough votes to win the speaker's gavel for a second time in as many days as on Wednesday. Representative Jim Jordan denounced the barrage of threats and calls Republicans say they've fielded since opposing Jordan's nomination to be the next House Speaker, saying that no American should be harassed for their belief. Not harassing you. We've never, we, I have specifically said in your kindest voice, remind them who you work, who they work for. Remind them that you are a constituent and you are expecting them to do X, Y, and Z. Not, that's not a threat. That is a promise. If you do this, I'll help you win the next campaign. If you do that, I'll do everything in my power to make sure that everybody knows it and we're going to find somebody to run against you because you don't belong there because you don't represent the people. Now, if that is a threat that you just can't handle in Washington, then you shouldn't be there, you spineless worm. I'm sorry. Jesus wouldn't have said that. Jordan lost a second round of votes for the speakership, receiving one fewer vote on Wednesday's ballot than he did on Tuesday. Uh, Though he flipped two Republican votes in his favor on the second ballot, he lost four of his GOP colleagues. Um, Representative... Marie Marie Antoinette, I guess, Miller Meeks, she is from Iowa. She said in a statement that after she flipped from voting for Jordan on Tuesday to another Republican, Kay Granger, Texas, on Wednesday, she received credible death threats and a barrage of threatening calls. If you have credible death threats, then you should report them. And credible death threats should be taken seriously. Anyone who is calling their congressman and or their senator or anybody else, anyone, and, uh, and threatening their lives, you are a moron and part of the problem. And also a criminal. Yes, and a criminal. That is a criminal thing to do, yes. to call up and threaten someone's life. And they should life. be prosecuted. And obviously, I would assume... That's the end of this, right? If this really happened, then you would certainly that 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 they will go down that road and proceed down that road. If it's just a thing you say to the media to try to vilify conservatives who are on the radio and on podcasts, that's another story. Because I I find it really hard to believe. Mm -hmm. Not that they look, we get death threats. You get them all the time. Half of them are from me. (laughs) Um, You know, we. Credible death threats are different than things you read on Twitter. Correct. Okay? Totally different thing. That's not to say that you should be doing it on Twitter, but we all know what the internet does to people. 
there's to say credible death threats we've had credible death threats yes we've had times where we've had to bring in all sorts of of security the israel is restoring courage times right now there we go restoring courage you went to israel what did they tell you about your event right before it started uh that it's no longer your event it is a military operation yes because there was a suicide vest that was out they couldn't find it and uh, and it was our event that was marked for it. That's a credible death threat. Right. Credible death threat is not, oh, yeah, well, you should go. It's something that's on Twitter. That's not what that is. Yeah. But beyond that, beyond this. Okay. Number one, I have high amounts of questions as to whether this actually sure. occurred or whether it was actually credible. And certainly that it was, you know, if, if this w- was someone uh, from an audience of a conservative show of some sort, Shame on you. You should go to jail if you made a credible threat to a congressperson. But the second part of this is more important. Okay, wait a minute. We'll get into it in a second. Let me finish this. No American should accost another for their beliefs, Jordan said, formerly known uh, on formerly known as Twitter X. uh, After Miller Meeks announcement, we condemn all threats against our colleagues and it is imperative that we come together. Stop. It's abhorrent. You're right. He is right. I condemn all credible threats, all death threats. I, I don't I don't want you yelling at anybody yeah, even, even and especially the secretaries because they have nothing to do with anything. Right. And even death threats that aren't credible, I condemn. I condemn. We all condemn Correct. that. You Correct. shouldn't do it. Correct. Miller Meeks was among a number of lawmakers who voiced concern about threats and harassment they received after voting for speaker candidates other than Jordan. According to the Minnesota Post, phones of the office of Pete Stabber, a Republican from Minnesota, rang off the hook Wednesday after he joined the Republicans opposing Jordan's speakership. A Stabber staffer told the Minnesota Post that most callers were upset with the congressman's vote. The staffer added most calls came from outside the lawmaker's district. Steve Womack from Arkansas told reporters after Wednesday vote that the opposition to the Ohio Republican uh, among the expanding group of lawmakers who voted against him is, quote, profound. Womack, who voted for Steve Scalise on both ballots, argued that the Republican opposition to Jordan was not coordinated, but rather an organic development among members from different committee assignments, tenures and states. The commonality between them was frustration with Jordan's hardline reputation and the tactics he employed to win over support after the vote. John Rutherford, Republican from Florida, no excuse for you, elaborated on some of the threats that had been leveled at his staff and placed the blame squarely on Jordan for facilitating a culture of aggressive and extremist rhetoric. That is ridiculous. Ridiculous. He is absolutely responsible for it, Rutherford said of Jordan. And look, it doesn't work, especially against people like Steve Scalise and others. Nobody likes to have their arm twisted. Talking about individuals' wives and those sorts of things. That's just not acceptable. Now, what is he what is he referring to? Listen to this. Rutherford appeared to be referring to an anonymous text sent to the wife of Republican Don Bacon of Nebraska, quote, urging her to talk to her husband and talk him into supporting Jordan. Texts to Bacon's wife were reviewed by the Washington Post. One urged her to tell the congressman to step up and be a leader. Another asked her why her husband is causing chaos by not supporting Jim Jordan. 
It's wrong that these folks have no boundaries anymore. We don't live in fear, but holding people accountable is needed. Excuse me? You should see the things that my wife gets on her phone. My wife talks to me about it probably every two days. How do people get my phone number? Why do I keep getting... Listen to this one. So stand in line and I would, my wife would not complain if she heard, why isn't your husband stepping up and being a leader? Why is your husband causing chaos by not supporting so-and-so? That's not a threat. Now, I don't agree with reaching out to people's wives and everything Obviously. else. And uh, nor is Jim Jordan, by nor the way, is Jim as Jordan, everybody nor, knows. Right. It's, you don't do that. But that's not a threat. The Idaho Republican Party said in a news release Wednesday that it, too, had been inundated with emails and phone calls from registered Ohio, uh, Iowa voters expressing their profound disappointment with Congressman Mike Simpson's decision that day. The decision voting for Scalise. The people of Idaho expect Mike Simpson to represent their concerns and prioritize their needs above political games and partisan divisions. The statement from the GOP in Idaho said the true measure of his success will be in his steadfast defense of the Constitution and the tangible benefits he delivers to the hardworking families of Idaho. We will be watching. Is that a threat? Because that's what I believe. And when you are not representing the people now, those people in New York you probably did what your people are fine fine with. That's fine. That's fine. But don't think that others aren't going to run against you. Don't think that it is a threat. It's a promise. You do the things that keep the Constitution strong. You do the things that do not cause chaos. And that's why I've been harsh on... on uh, uh, what's his name from uh, Florida? That's uh, Gates. Gates, yeah. Uh, this is why I've been harsh on on Gates the whole time. Because what was your plan? This caused chaos. But I have to tell you, this is what I think the problem is. And I think this is where you're going. And I'd like to hear your opinion on it. I don't think this is just about, you know, Sean Hannity and Glenn Beck or Jim Jordan. This is once again... The arrogance of the party leadership in Washington that despises the American people, that think they know better than all of the people that live in their districts. They think they know better. And the people in their districts are saying, defend the Constitution of the United States. Stop spending so much money. These are not radical ideas. And they are just using this because they know the Washington Post and everybody else will whip everybody up into a frenzy and it will teach those those constitutionalists a, letter, a lesson. Don't call. Well, you know what? If that's what you want to teach, that's fine. Here's the lesson I'd like you to learn from this. Double your efforts to get these weasels out of office. I don't know if he can. But if there is a weak person, there's no excuse, no excuse in Texas to have weasels.
None. In New York, I get it. Not in not in this not in this state. Not in Utah. Idaho. Idaho. Wyoming. Not in Montana. What are you doing? Get them out. Get them out. Yeah, and this is, of course, their way of trying to parlay all of this into an effort to hurt who they see as their enemies. And that those And it will work as well for them as it did for Lynn Cheney. Liz Cheney. Liz Cheney, whatever her name is. Yeah. I mean, I think look, the people they see the as the enemy are are you, right? Not you, Glenn Beck, but you in the audience who listen to Glenn Beck, right? Like you're the enemy. You're you you're you're the problem to them. And this is something that they see as they can uh feed this stuff leak it to the mainstream media of course they'll report it gleefully and they will say you know who's really the problem it's these uh it's these talk show hosts and the people who listen to them doing all these terrible things and i mean frankly glenn you know look if because they're saying basically you know what now i'll never vote for joe jim jordan because he made people call my office and and let's just even entertain it I know he never, never, he didn't ask us to do that. No, nope. we said that because we think it was important for people to be involved in the process of government. I'm, I'm so sorry about that. But look, let's just say, let's just entertain this this uh, world, and let's just say a couple of people um, did call and say nasty things to the secretary of one of these guys. If that is your determining factor of who you're voting for for Speaker of the House, you should be out of Congress immediately. Wait, because some random person said something mean to you on the phone? You're going to change your vote for who's the Speaker of the House? You should be, you're pathetic if that is your position, and that's the one you're admitting to. You're admitting that I, well, I'll never vote for him now after I got that mean call from that lady in Iowa. I mean, how Pathetic. How many times do you have to be? How many times have I just did it again today? And I don't want any names. Um, you know, I'm looking for examples. But I just wrote an email today. Somebody who has treated me like absolute garbage. Somebody who has, you know, done a lot to not necessarily sing the praises of me. And I just did it today. I wrote and said, "Hey, I will help you in any way possible." I have nothing to gain. I could play the game of I'm going to get you now. I don't. Why? A, it's childish. Mm -hmm. Second reason, we're in a crisis. We need to help everyone we can. I don't care if I have a personal problem with you over X, Y, or Z. What are you doing? Is it good? Will it help? Yes, Count me in. Grow up, Republicans. Grow up. The best of the Glenn Beck program. I want to talk to you uh, a little bit about everything that is going on, but I want to frame it with Israel and Hamas. I'd like to make an appeal for reason. Now, bear with me. In Israel, Joe Biden said, justice must be done. But I caution this. While you feel that rage, don't be consumed by it. Now, who's he talking to here? Israel? Israeli military? Benjamin Netanyahu? Who's he talking to? Justice must be done, but I caution this. While you feel that rage, don't be consumed by it. After 
Uh, I remember really singing loudly and turning it up and we'll put a boot up your ass. It, you know, it, every time that country song came on, God bless Toby Keith. That way we were enraged. He said, after 9-11, we were enraged in the United States. While we sought justice and got justice, we also made mistakes. Yeah, that, and I don't think that's because we were enraged. That's because we had idiots that were running things. But for the most part, I agree with good old Uncle Joe here wholeheartedly. He's right. And I want to be on the record saying in this case, he is right. It's critical that you recognize he's right on this. Important decisions should not be made on the basis of strong emotion. They should be made on the basis of reason and morality. It's not enough to feel. We must think ideally for ourselves. Now, I think this sounds a little funny coming from the political side, which flooded culture with the idea that really it's it's how you feel at any given time. And that's the most important thing in the world, not just to you, but the whole world must accommodate how you feel. If you feel like a woman, well, then you are one and we should all treat you like one and applaud you for feeling that way. And everyone must say you're the most beautiful mannish looking woman they've ever seen never mind biology that's not the science we met if you feel oppressed then you are even if you're a millionaire paid to bounce a ball in america and if anyone exposes you to uncomfortable thoughts or opinion or let me i wish i had a pair of pearls here i could clutch they challenge the validity of your feelings they're violent extremists, and they must be depersoned right now. But let's forget all about that, because I'm sure Joe was considering all that when he said what he said, which is right. Fear, anger, even righteous rage, they all have their place. They help keep us alive uh, in a crisis, but they also get you killed if you don't balance everything. They cannot drive your decision-making process. That's why we have a conscience and we have reason. Need examples? Okay. COVID. Freak out, everybody. We're all going to die. Have you seen what they're doing in China? They're welding people into their homes. It's got to be horrible. What did we do? Well, I think we did the logical thing. We said, hey, let's cut off all the transportation right now from the rest of the world until we get a handle on what's going on. And then fear, 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 fear. You're killing your grandmother. You're killing your great, great grandmother. You may not even be born because somewhere Marty McFly is there with a picture of you not getting the covid vaccine. And you're currently disappearing off of that Polaroid. And so is your grandmother. What did fear make us do? How about the Patriot Act after 9-11? It was a wave of fear. The war, that was idiots. That was, that, was, that was a hundred different political reasons. But the Patriot Act, that was a political thing that was waiting in the wings before 9-11 that nobody thought they could ever get past until fear how about calls for anti-Second Amendment legislation after every single mass shooting? 
calls for legalized infanticide powered by the fear of imaginary theocratic pro-lifers that are going to put us in a bonnet and a red dress. Too much of the time, emotion is manufactured and manipulated like it was yesterday on the the mall of the Capitol. You know, right before the insurrection. This is what it means. Never let a crisis go to waste. A crisis allows you to manipulate people because they're afraid they're not thinking clearly just now. U.S. lawmakers are proposing regulating cryptocurrency because Hamas has been using it. Hamas? Hamas is bad, right? They might use it. They might use, they might use X as well. We've got to take away X from everybody. And the more freedom that goes away, and usually not even slowing the bad guys down, the more freedom you lose, the more ground they gain. Think of MS-13 or Hamas. Do you think they abide by gun laws? Now, there's plenty of fear in Israel today, I'm sure, and rage. But those are not the reasons Israel's in a war with Hamas. Israel is not seeking to lash out. Israel is hopefully planning coldly and rationally the best possible way to limit people who claim Their whole reason for being is to kill every Jew. Now, why would they be planning this? Well, that's what reason demands. Because after the monsters get in and slaughter your children, after they rape your daughters and take them to Gaza to be tortured, you don't storm in unprepared into what Hamas has spent 20 years turning into a death trap. You don't do that. You don't start killing everything in sight, hoping that blood will satisfy blood, because blood never satisfies blood. But just as important, just as important, you also do not allow yourself to go back to normal as soon as the emotion fades. That is also why God gave us a conscience and reason. The world saw the images. We felt the horror. We were with Israel for a time, and then the emotion starts to fade because we're goldfish. If we let that be the end, then evil will remain. It will not only remain, it will grow, and we will be responsible for that growth. This is why the fast food instant gratification culture is so dangerous. Again, we're goldfish. You may not hear me talk in the last few days about the economy or ESG and the Great Reset or Ukraine or what's being taught in our schools run by radical leftists under the thin mask of teachers unions. I'm not talking about the impeachment investigations or the, the hundreds of other topics that I am following and watching closely. I haven't forgotten them. I'm not a goldfish. You haven't either. We're keeping a close eye on all of it. But reason and conscience tells me this is a major spiritual test for the entire world. This will decide whether we are a force for good or a force for evil. Because this comes down of choosing life or choosing death. And with all the stories that are happening... What do, I, what do I do after I talk about it? 
okay, usually I, I rant. But when it comes down to it, I ask you to do very specific things. And sometimes, uh, once today, I beg you, please. And everything I ask you usually revolves around the two Ps. PP, as I like to call it. Plan and prepare. Prepare for impact. What does that mean? Well, if you're at war with Hamas, you plan, you prepare, you arm yourself with information, and in their case, with guns, and then you, as an army, go out and go after the monsters. Because that's what reason and morality actually dictate. Plan and prepare, and then act. And if you don't, the monsters remain and get worse and they'll be back and it'll be worse again next time. And there'll be more and worse monsters until you either fight back or allow yourself to be extinguished. But that is the choice we are all facing in almost every aspect of our lives right now. Are we going to stand up and be morally clear that there is a good and evil and I still recognize one or hopefully both, but I only serve one. In Israel, the blood of the victims of Hamas screams out of the ground, screams their pain. But we should be hearing the screams of warning, one that reason and moral human beings must heed and act upon. That's why you go in and destroy Hamas. Not so we're even. That's what a third grader would do. That's why you are supposed to watch your borders. That's why you don't allow a surveillance state with total control. It's why you take porn out of the schools and keep everything away from the kids. It's not emotion. It's not hatred. It's cold, calculated reason. That's guided by a set of principles we used to find self-evident, guided by morality. It's these times that God gave us reason and a moral sense. It's for these times. Animals have fear, but they don't have reason and moral sense. Evil has to be seen, it has to be named, and opposed. Not for the past victims, but for future ones. Not for Jews or Israelis, but for all of us. Not for the dead children, but for the ones who are still living, who need us to take care of the monsters that we have allowed into our societies, into the very bedrooms we're supposed to keep them safe. Your pulpit this weekend should thunder the truth. Jewish, Christian, and even sane, moderate Muslim pulpits, if any can be found. I'm waiting thunder from the pulpit like they once thundered in America's past and like never before with fire and righteous anger, but with clear cutting light of divine truth and reason. They must thunder against evil but also thunder for good, for life, for order, God's order, not our own. Man creates chaos.
Every day I try to think, how can I inspire you to be a better person today than you were yesterday? And I don't know. I really don't. I don't know if you're sitting on the fence what you're waiting for. Whom do you fear? The media? Donors? People in power? College professor? Your boss? Being unpopular? Defunded? Depersoned? The only fear worth holding on to is not the kind that makes you cower. It's the kind that makes you stand up and speak truth. Make demands of yourself and challenge those who are around you. The one fear that causes us to make the world more like heaven and less like hell is the fear of the Lord and a God Almighty. Fix reason firmly in her seat. And may God help us all. Na, na, na.